This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 168, recorded on May 22nd, 2014. Our home Gadget Geeks, we cover all your favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska. And we post the show with some pretty decent, I've been saying world-class show notes. They've been kind of weak. This this week, they're going to be really good because we're did most of them out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Uh, if you have questions, comments, or contributions, you can contact the show via email. Just send it to me, Jim, at TheAverageGuy.tv. Uh, Find me on Twitter at Jay Collison, or now you can call in those questions. And actually, at the very end of the show, uh, we did have to have somebody call in a response to last week's fitness show. So we'll play that at the end of this one. But you can call those in, 402-478-8450. And, of course, we'll play those questions uh, right here. Uh, and if it's a question related to what we're going to talk about, we'll play it earlier. But tonight, it's at the end of the show. So hang around for that. And now Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. You can find the links to this show and many other great podcasts out at the Geeks Network. Dot com. Join us in chat, watch, or listen to the show and find all the navigation in the upper right-hand corner out at TheAverageGuy.tv. All right, well, I've got a new friend to the show tonight and uh, a guy that I've been uh, hanging out with over the last couple months. Uh, I met him kind of through Dave Jackson in the School of Podcasting, podcasting and Ask the Podcast Coach, and we kind of hang out on Saturday mornings together uh, as Ryan's out in chat, and I get to do the show with Dave Jackson. Ryan Parker from Food, the Food Craftsman. Ryan, thanks for coming on. Jim, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here as what you called me earlier, the fresh face of the average. <laughs> a fresh, yes, that's right, a fresh face to our network. We we have, uh, I have been changing the the uh, the format of the show a little bit over the last couple months and doing more, kind of doing more interviews, but it was some guys that we'd had in the past and, uh, you and I were talking about some stuff, and I said, you know what? We need to incorporate a little bit of food tech into what we do. We've never done a food tech episode, and I didn't want to do it just for the sake of it being cool, but there are tech, you know, there are new gadgets for the kitchen that are out, things that you can add to your kitchen routine. Now that we're home gadget geeks, uh, those gadgets I want to incorporate in, and so this was a perfect opportunity. I said to Ryan, hey, are there any cool things out there we can talk about? And you said, yeah, there are a few. Oh, so we'll get to those. We've got tons of great stuff to talk about. Right? Yeah, good. We'll get to those here in just a second. Ryan, since you're new to the network and uh, we don't know who you are, why don't you take a second, tell us a little bit about your background. I want to know a little bit about food craftsmen, those kinds of things. Sure, that sounds great. So, uh, again, I'm Ryan Parker, and I am a chef by trade and, over the last couple of years, a podcaster by trade. And you can find that podcast at foodcraftsmen.com, M-E-N.com. And um, gosh, I've spent the last 20 years uh, working it with food and some of these gadgets, actually, now that they're home gadgets. I've started working with them at home. But uh, so I spent a lot of time in the kitchen, uh, definitely, you know, behind the hotline, sweating it out in the 100 degree, 120 degree kitchens for many years. And then I turned my focus into education. And so I, I run a couple culinary schools, and now I teach uh, healthy cooking for um, a, a company out here in San Francisco. In the Bay Area. How you like in the Bay Area? Uh, 
relatively new to the Bay Area. We've been out here for two years. Uh, I'm loving the weather. I think it's absolutely yeah, great. It's pretty nice. You know, you don't get any of the snow. You can always drive to it if you want to ski in, in the winter or snowboard. I have yet to tackle either one of those. I'm a little afraid. I see that you've got skis. I do. Yeah, we ski in Colorado, although those they're pretty much just, at this point, those are pretty much just... Um, decorative? Decorative, yeah. <laughs> they're kind of old. <laughs> yeah, so I'm loving the weather. Uh, I, I, I like being out this way. I'm a Midwestern boy by heart. Uh, grew up in Michigan. Michigan, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, I think we'll go back there someday. But, uh, you know, what I do over at the Food Craftsman is I basically uh, help people leverage their brand through online marketing. And also the, the podcast actually is mainly focused on uh, people with artisanal products. From So basically they want to take uh, control of the product from beginning to end. And so they're usually smaller companies. And I do interviews with them and discuss how they got started and what their inspirations were. And you know, some of the great questions like, what do you wish you knew <laughs> before before you got yourself into starting this business? And it's been really great. It's, it's opened a lot of opportunity to meet uh, wonderful people. Uh, I think podcasting in general has done that, like meeting you and Dave Jackson. And Ray Ortega actually just invited me to do, do a shoot uh, yeah, in San cool. Francisco. Yeah, so, he's not far, right? Yeah, he's a little south of me. So we, we haven't yet, we haven't gotten together yet, which we're hoping to do shortly. Yeah, Ray's a good guy. I'd like to I'd like to hang out with him. He's a really good photographer too. So he's an excellent uh, photographer. And in fact I might do the shoot just just to maybe learn a little bit more because I have a I I'm I'm a gadget guy in the sense that I feel that I need to have gadgets and yet I don't master those gadgets. So I have a, a wonderful HD Sony camcorder. I've got, you know, a wonderful um, Canon DSLR, and yet I have yet to master using them. So I might try and pick up some uh, tips from him. Yeah, Do and he's just an all-around, he's an all-around great guy. So if you, if you get a chance... Fantastic to... guy. I met him at New Media Expo, and uh, it was his birthday weekend, so we had a wonderful time just getting to know him there and watching him celebrate his birthday. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. So, just the one podcast that you do then, or or what's what what's your ecosystem, and and uh, how often do you podcast? Well, right now the Food Craftsman has been on hiatus for a couple of uh, weeks now, but because I treat it like uh, seasons, like television seasons, so I'm getting ready to start producing season three. Uh, so basically, I'm gathering my interviews and people to interview, and uh, getting all of those ideas kind of worked out. Uh, and uh, so that's the latest podcast that I do. I've got one that's been, that I have just kind of let sit there for a while. It's called Killer Food, and you can find that on iTunes as well. I think if you search Ryan Parker, you can find it. Mm -hmm. Killer, so, killer food, food, is that stuff that's not good for you? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. And f the funny thing was, is it originally started off as um, an extension of a, a job I was doing previously, which is similar to the one I had right now, which was talking about healthy cooking techniques and, and how to harness that. And it just got to the point where I was like, you know, I want to talk about food and I want to talk about food in general. So it turned out to be more of just, you know, how to harness the power of the kitchen and be there and really understand how to create amazing killer food. But my, my home base right now is foodcraftsman.com. 
Very cool, and uh, it's good. You know, we last week uh, I did a fitness. We kind of have a we're we're kind of theming these out a little bit and whatever you know, X uh, tech, you know, fitness tech, food tech. Um, and so last week we talked about fitness, and actually some of the guys were talking about uh, you know diet and food and those kinds of things. I'll have to have you back on some point. We won't talk gadgets. Maybe I can pick your brain about you know some average guy tips for cooking. Sure. That uh, you know, from a diet perspective, because I, I really believe you know most of the weight problems that we have, they're about ninety-five percent food problems and about five percent exercise problems. Oh, and I can that, you know I can attest to that. I at one point in time had lost almost eighty pounds without changing my exercise routine at all, which was nothing at the time. And it's all about the food that you eat. And the, so when you have me back, I will tell you the one tip to cut out two hundred calories every meal time. Sweet. You don't know that you're actually eating. All right. Well, we'll hold that as a secret. We'll we'll keep it. Uh, we'll tease it out, and we'll bring you back here and and have you back on. We talk about the the food, but let's talk about the cooking pieces. And you kind of interest me. Um, you know, I, I challenged you with some gadgets, and and you really threw this very first one that's in there that really helps you cook. It's like a slow cooker, but it's different than that. And so, talk a little bit about. This gadget that really helps you get the, all the flavor and doesn't help you and helps you not to overcook the food. Well, the first gadget is actually an immersion circulator, and it coincides with uh, using a technique called sous vide, which means under pressure. So basically, um, an immersion circulator, and the one that I've um, that I've listed in our show notes is from Sansair, and I actually just purchased this not too long ago. And so basically what this does is it's a, have you ever ha seen uh, a coffee warmer where you, you stick the heating element into your coffee cup and it keeps it warm or reheats it? Sure. So this is a, a bigger, more precise version of that. So you can use a pot like that's in the picture there. Um, basically what you're doing is you're heating uh, liquid. In most cases, it's water. You're heating it to a precise temperature. And then you're actually cooking food in bags. So what I do for my home for home use is I'll just take a, a zip top bag and I'll put food in it. A really great example that I love is the steak is kind of like the steak that you're showing there. So I know that I like my steak at uh, rare. And so that's around for me 125 degrees. So you stick the the Sansair immersion circulator in in a pot of water, and this particular one actually can hold um, can work with uh, up to six gallons of liquid. So you've got quite a bit of room, depending on on the shape of your the tub that you put this in. You can use a pot. I I have a nice plastic tub that holds six gallons, and it's got a a larger surface area, so I can float a couple different bags in there. So what I'll do is I'll take a steak, and and for us we we like a New York steak, New York strip. You put it, you you season it, you put it in a plastic bag, you extract as much air as you can, and then I even sometimes take a straw and try and suck out extra air and seal it up. And then you just float that in there, and so for a steak like that, you can actually cook that steak four hours, six hours at 125 degrees, and it's it'll be complete, the same temperature all the way through. And then what I like to do is actually pull that out and let it rest for about 10 or 15 minutes, 
and then crank up a cast iron pan and sear the outside. So if you notice in the picture that, that we have uh, for all of us watching the video, on the right-hand side, you've got that. It's super well done, about a quarter of an inch of the way through on both sides. When you sous vide it, it basically keeps that same temperature. And by only searing the outside, you've got a beautiful crust. It's got a great flavor to it. You can do some additional seasoning to it just before you see you sear it off. And it, it works absolutely amazing. And it's not just for meats. I do the same thing for um, vegetables, corn on the cob, asparagus. Put them in a plastic bag. I put the marinade or any sort of seasonings right in that bag and just let it cook. One of the great things about it is you can reduce you know, oil if you want. Um, you can cook it in its own juices or you can cook it in a vegetable broth or, or stock. And so it really locks in those flavors and really forces those flavors in, into the uh, meats and vegetables that you put in there. Let me flip that back. Um, so would you have to sear it if, or, or is that just a flavor thing because the, the, you know, when you, when you do sear it changes the chemical compound in the food and, and changes it a little bit. Is, is yeah. it a flavor thing only, or, or do you need to sear it? It's a flavor enhancer. It, it Basically what's happening there is it's called the Maillard reaction. It's the caramelization or the browning of the proteins and natural sugars that are found in, in meat. It's, a, it's a, definitely a flavor issue because you, and a texture issue. You want to have a little bit of that on the outside. If you didn't want it, you'd have this perfectly cooked steak with no sear on the outside, which is fine for something for some things. Um, but the other other thing is it's a nice visual thing as well. You know, you bring a steak to a table, you want it to have a nice charred look to it. Yeah, that looks good. One All gadget right. that actually goes along with it that I hadn't, that I didn't put on there, it's, it's not out yet, but it's also one of those ones that's going through Kickstarter right now. It's called a Sears All. And it's a, you take a basic uh, butane torch and it's got this, it's a clamp that goes over the top of it, and it disseminates the heat around a ceramic dome, and you, you place that over your meat or your vegetables, or you can make s'mores with it if you want. But it, it, it disperses the heat evenly, so you've got, you can char it without even heating up another pan if you wanted to. It's beautiful. I can't wait for that, for that to, to actually come out. Yeah, in, a, in, in your chef world, right, when, when you're cooking for the masses, can you, can, I mean, could you, do the same procedure for like a whole bunch of meat and just have it ready at different temperatures and then so just throw it on? Really, yeah, that's a really great that's a really great question. So for some cuts of meat, like say short ribs, um, normally the cooking method is braising. So you could actually uh, prepare your braise and do all of that in the bag or like in some of the places that I've worked, I've braised short ribs in a pan, put a little bit of the, you know, reduce the cooking liquid from the, the braise, put the short ribs in a vacuum seal bag along with that cooking liquid, store it and cool it quickly so, you know, obviously we're not worried about bacteria. But then, come service time, you can actually use an immersion circulator like this to heat products up and keep them at temperature for a couple hours at a time pull them, and then just finish them quickly. And so that's another great uh, way to use this this particular product. 
Because it's it, it's cooking it, you know, Mark and chat said I would have a hard time believing that I would prefer that over using my grill. It's cooking the meat all the way through like you're going to get on the grill. Uh, so right. you're still getting that. And then when you're – so it's just kind of the reverse. You're cooking it all the way through first and then browning the outside as opposed to browning the outside and then sure. having to make sure you don't cook it too fast to get the inside done the way you want it. Can you – can you do well done and all? I mean, are there there's temperature settings that I assume then that that right. you would crank that up to? So the sands there, and there's another one from Anova Culinary. Both of them are bo- both of them are immersion circulators. So he's absolutely correct. There's really no uh, beating the taste of a grill. But here's here's the challenge that I would say for that. I would cook the steaks that you're going to put on the grill to the temperature that you want in the immersion circulator. And especially if you're going to have a party, right? If you're going to have five or six people over or 10 people over and you want steaks for everyone. So cook them off in the immersion circulator for, you could even do this a day ahead of time, right? Pop them back in the fridge, let them chill. And then when you're ready, when you're ready to eat, you get your grill nice and hot and you've, maybe you've done some grilled veggies. And so you're, you know, you're still interacting with people. You're still around the grill. You're still having a great time. And then find the hottest portion of the grill. And I know for you, you have a, uh, a propane grill. So turn your grill up hot. Get the grates just searing, smoking hot. And mark your steaks. And you're going to have that same flavor. It's gonna, that's how quickly it, it, it takes on the flavor of the, of the charcoal in the grill. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're getting that flavor from the searing, not from the cooking, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So... Even on the grill, if you're going to have that hot grate, all you have to do is make sure it's super nice and hot and it takes maybe a, a minute on each side to get you that nice char from the grill and all that smoke flavor is already infused. That's how quickly it happens on the grill. So, uh, th- you know, it's a, it's a great way to definitely have a large portion or, or many portions of, of meat going through. One of my favorite applications, actually, for this is cooking eggs. I don't know about you. If, are you are you a poached egg fan? I'm a hard boiled egg guy. You're a hard well. You could hard boil them too if you wanted to, but I'm a huge uh, eggs Benedict fan and poached egg fan. So with this, it's so tem- it's so temperature sensitive. The, these two particular models are within a tenth of a degree. The professional models are are precise within one hundredth of a degree which I don't think we really need at home, but heck. The price difference between the the professional model and home models is about $300, depending on on where you're getting the professional model. um, So I can set in uh, beautiful farm fresh eggs that that I've just got, you know, went out into the market and picked up, or even the supermarket. The best thing is fresher eggs hold up better no matter what kind of cooking method you're using. But... I can pop them in there at 63 degrees and let them sit for two hours if I wanted to, take them out and crack the egg open, and I've got this beautiful egg shape, and it's got a nice soft white that's fully cooked, and then the yolk just kind of oozes out. And so it's a a perfectly cooked egg every time. So the magic really in this is getting that the, the exact... Uh, cooking temperature and holding it, right? So that you're, because yep, otherwise correct. we're guessing, right? When you when you go to 375 on the oven, you, you, there's no guarantee it's going to stay there or, right, you know. 
sure. Especially uh, with the, especially with electric uh, ovens or electric burners, they cycle on and off. So the temperature fluctuation is so uh, radical that you know if it's in its heating cycle, it could actually get up. If you if you have the temperature set at 350, it could get up to 400 before it shuts itself back down. You know to kind of keep the average temperature of a 350 degrees. So. The great thing about some of these too is if you want to if you're concerned about knowing the the particular temperatures that you want, Anova's uh, culinary immersion circulator actually speaks to your iPhone and smartphones, so you can actually control the immersion circulator directly from your phone. So it has an app that comes with it, and it, I believe it connects Bluetooth. And so you can control the cooking time, you can control the temperature, so if you need it to change, it's really great. If you're a lobster fan, this is exactly how you want, how you want to cook lobster because you can set your temperature to 145 degrees, put a couple lobster tails in a plastic bag, a couple pats of butter, salt and pepper, and you've got yourself butter poached lobster, no mess whatsoever. Yeah, because you're just throwing away the bags. You and you, I think you had said to me, double zip lock is probably what's best, right? On those yeah. on those bags. Yeah. And you can put the seasoning and whatever right in the bag, and then just let it kind of. It's just weird because we think it's boiling. It's not boiling water, right? This is right heated up to 170 degrees, which is half of the boiling temperature or so. Sure. Right. Yeah. So boiling's at 212, and so I believe these uh, these home models go up to about 200. Okay. So they have a temperature range of, uh, geez, uh, 85 degrees to 200, I think, are the, the ranges. Okay. So yeah. they're, they're very versatile. And, you know, if you want to hold hot food hot for a while, crank it up to 145 degrees and you can keep hot food hot for a while. You know? Does the fat change, you know, uh, when we cook food grill-wise or on, the, on, a, on a, you know, on a, a cast iron changes the complexity of the fat you're boiling not boiling it but you're warming it here does that change the fat at all inside sure. like meat it does so what's happening the, the biggest thing about having you know putting especially meat or steaks in for a longer period of time especially the tougher cuts you want to get it up to a temperature that, like short ribs you could cook at 165 for 18 hours because what that what that's doing is it's breaking down the connective tissue in the meat and so that's kind of how you get that fork tenderness to it. Now that's completely different than putting a nice steak in there. Um, but when you put the steak in, and if it's a you know above 110 degrees, because I uh, you're checking me, you're taking me all the way back to culinary school. Now. <laughs> I'm, I'm testing you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But um, you know beef fat melts around 107, 110 degrees. Uh, pork fat is right around body temperature. So here, a really good example is last weekend, we, we actually have a yakitori grill, which is this tiny Japanese grill, which is great for us. There's two of us. We live in an apartment. So we take that out and we set it out on the table and we don't have to, you know, fuss with the big community. Yeah, it's grill. like a tabletop grill. Yeah, and it's yeah. beautiful. And we, we put natural hardwood charcoal in. But uh, we're big fans of chicken wings. We love chicken wings all different ways. So I actually put the chicken wings in with um, a basic brine mixture, which is salt and some other seasonings, a little bit of acid, a little bit of sweetness, and just um, a, a touch of water. And sealed that up and 
put that in the immersion circulator for a couple hours. And once those were out, I actually drained away all of the liquid that was in there as I didn't have any other use for it at the time. But along with that was actually a lot of the kind of the subcutaneous fat that's in the in the chicken wings. And so when you grill those up, you actually get that really nice, crispy, crunchy, you know, chicken skin. And so we had a nice little brine in there, so it infused a lot of the flavor into the meat. And then when you put it on the grill, you all you have to do is really just get the nice char on it. So our chicken wings are fully cooked. They take two minutes on the grill. There's a lot less mess. There's a lot less flare up too because you're not having that that uh, fat drip into the the grill, creating a lot of flame. Yeah, and and um, it just it's just a quick. You throw them on, brown brown them up, get them crispy the way you want them, pull them right off because they're they're mm-hmm. cooked, right? At that point, you're. Yeah. It's really too. It's really either to taste or to, to to look, right? The way they look at that point when they're done, for the most part. Yeah, you just, the same same idea as yeah. searing a steak. Like I could, I could have taken them out of the bag and eaten them, but what would have been fun? You know, really yeah, well, fun yeah, there's because there's texture, right? Which is yeah. was equally important that we expect a certain kind of texture. Yeah, in mouthfeel, food. And texture, mm-hmm. all that stuff is really important. You eat with your eyes, you know, first. So if I'm telling you I'm going to have chicken wings, either they're going to have a really beautiful glazed barbecue sauce on them or a hot sauce on them or they're going to be just nicely charred you know they're they're really it's a really great little experience too to have this and it's it's actually a lot of, of freedom uh in the kitchen too because i can set this i can set this immersion circulator up on the countertop on the kitchen table out on the patio as long as i have an you know electrical source for it it works really really well yeah, and you can kind of set it early, get things because it's. It seemed like everything has about a minimum of an hour to that it needs to go. But and there was, I was looking on their site. They kind of have some recommendations mm-hmm. uh, for different kinds of of uh, you know fish, chicken, steak. The various uh, how long you should do it for. You you and I talked when we were in pre-show about this that you don't want to cook it too long because there's some bacteria concerns that sure. you know you don't you, you don't depends wanna... on the temperature. So if I have it above 144, Five degrees, I'm not as concerned about that. So with a steak, you know, if I've just brought it home from the meat counter and and you know put it directly into the into the machine, the sous vide, the immersion circulator, I'm not too concerned about that. So I could let it cook up to two or three hours. So the the window on the bacteria is the the growth window is somewhere around the four hour mark. The bacteria starts to explode. You know, really you know, that's the right conditions for bacteria. So for like a steak, if you're going to be, a, if anything you're going to cook for under 145 degrees Fahrenheit, I, you know, I would look at around an hour. Anything above that, like you would normally stew, braise, cook for a long time, you're going to have that up to 155, 160 degrees anyway. So just go right ahead and, you know, you can cook that for longer. I did a chuck roast in it for... 12 hours two weeks ago and although I wasn't all that happy with the chuck roast when I cubed it up and put it in you know a sauce with some pasta what I was really happy with was when I took that and sliced it really thin and just put it on a sandwich it was absolutely gorgeous Mm. man I'm hungry (laughs) (laughs) I need to eat dinner again Let's hold yeah, on to the podcast. Too. No, no, it's it's uh, it's fine. Dinner break. We will be right back. <laughs> that's right. Go and grab a steak. Uh, no, that sounds good. Well, we could uh, 
that we got some more things to cover, but I, I think that's a very interesting, especially for some of those meats that are tricky to get right, I think, where you, the internal temperatures to get right, this yeah. kind of eliminates some of that, you think? Oh, it, it, it minimizes it 99% of the time. If, you've, if your immersion circulator's working properly and you've got the right amount of liquid, I, I learned a valuable experience. I put, a, I put it in a tub that was too large, and so the immersion circulator was having a hard time keeping a, a temperature hot enough. So you have to have the right the right size tub to put it in, and uh, but as long as you do that and you know how you like your steaks, it works really really well. The other stuff like chicken or poultry, you're you're definitely going to be cooking it above 145 degrees anyway because you normally want those all cooked all the way through. But pork pork loin at 140 degrees, cooked for about an hour and then seared on the outside, is absolutely magical. We it's got just a slight, the slightest pink hue to it, and it is so tender and so juicy. It is the probably some of the most amazing pork I've ever had. So, mm. I don't know. You're challenging some of my grilling skills. I think I'm a pretty good griller, yeah. you know, without this. And my, in fact, my kids love. Uh, my chicken and even the steak, you know, they they when they when I bring that in, like, Dad, you make the best ever. But this this is uh, this is interesting. Uh, and then a couple of questions from chat. Uh, we talked about a maximum temperature, 200, right is around yeah. right around 200 with boiling being at 212. Of course, you don't you don't want to boil this stuff. Things that that changes. There's probably other things that happen at the boiling point. You might right? melt the bag at that point in time. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, any advantages into any other kinds of liquid to, instead of water, would, would there be any advantages to anything else? Sure. The only reason that I've used only water so far is because it's easier for me to clean the machine. I don't have to worry about any sort of, um, gosh, food particles going into the machine, et cetera. But you, if you wanted to, you could... Uh, and I've seen some of the higher-end chefs do this, the uh, Thomas Kellers and stuff like that at the higher-end restaurants. They've actually filled, with the professional models, uh, a 10-gallon tub with butter, and they butter poached lobsters directly into it. So there's not there's there's an advantage to that. I take advantage of, of it by putting any sort of liquid that I want into the bag itself just for ease of cleanup, really. And if you want to get really, you know, if you want to be real big boss with this stuff, what you want to do is uh, couple this particular immersion circulator with what's known as a vacuum sealing machine. And there's a couple options out there. Um, Food Saver is, is probably the oldest, most known brand. But... Um, I've never had luck sealing liquids with that particular brand and that particular model, so I'm looking into uh, getting a vacuum sealing system from PolyScience, who is the first one that really created uh, the immersion circulators for the professional, and uh, they're now starting to release home versions as well, which is great. And the advantage is to having a home sealer instead of just a Ziploc bag mm-hmm. is what exactly I'm, you know, I'm spending. These, the one I, I I posted the link in chat. I imagine there are two hundred bucks or so yeah. in price. What's the advantage to having your own a, sealer? A good model is you know one hundred eighty nine to almost four hundred. Um, they have a chamber 
chamber sealer, which actually put the entire thing inside this chamber and it seals it. That's like 600. That's a little overkill and a little too much for my wallet. Well, one, you get a really great seal on the bag. So if you do have like, if you want to marinate something that has a lot of liquid in it, you're ensuring that it's not going to leak into into the, the tub. But the other thing that it can do, if you have a nice, if you have a model that has a, a strong enough vacuum, is some of your softer fruits and vegetables, you can actually apply a lot of pressure into the um, into those, and it will actually compress the proteins and the cell walls of the vegetables and the fruit, and it changes the texture. I think the real advantage is for all of us who really like really great meat and we like, want to throw a marinade on it for a while, you can do you can put these into what's called marinade mode and it will compress that meat and it forces all of the flavorings that are in the marinade inside the meat. And so you can do that and it takes two minutes versus an hour and you've got a completely marinated steak or piece of fish or chicken for that matter. Two minutes, so. that's it? It takes about two minutes, and then you could either pull that out and put those directly on the grill, or you could cook it in the the immersion circulator with the marinade. With the marinade, yeah. Oh, so yeah. so throw your marinade in, throw your piece of meat in, vacuum seal it, wait five minutes, throw it in the throw it in the immersion cooker, let it go for an hour, pull, cut it open, pull it out, throw it on the grill for two minutes, you're done. Yep. Yeah, you want right. to sear it on the grill. So let's let's walk through a steak real quick, though. Yeah. Let's say you you wanted to just be the old-fashioned way and the Jim Collison way and take everything out to hey, you know wait a minute now. the meat the meat out to the grill, right? That's the way so, men do it. <laughs> but let's say we got home late. Let's say you got home late from work and you've got a couple of friends coming over and you know that you want to marinate four steaks. So you could put the steaks in, you know, depending on the size of the bag, you could probably put them all in there. You know, put your marinade in and then actually put it on marinade mode, force all of those flavors into the steak, and then take them out to the grill and just grill them like you normally would. And, and that pressure will, will push all of the, that flavor in. It's really, it's really an amazing, amazing process. Yeah, it's a huge time saver, I would imagine. I mean... From a couple minutes? Think about this. Even if you didn't compress it at all and you just put the marinade in and you sealed the bag, you can stick that in the fridge and let it sit for a couple days and you don't have to worry about the bag leaking. You know, I come home sometimes and, like, find (laughs) marinades have leaked out of the bags. Even even on the zip-top bags, you know, the double safety seal zip-top bags, those, sometimes they just leak, you know? So, and this... Weigh the options here. Yeah, yeah, no, it's this seals it up, and they start around two hundred, so not uh, not terribly expensive for that, but something you could use over. Do you have to have special bags for that thing? You have to buy special bags. They do have special bags, and there's some bags that are um, branded. Like if you went with the PolyScience one, they have their own bags. Food Saver has their own bags, but then there's also some generic ones that work with different models. So you can kind of save some money there, but. The one great thing that I hadn't even spoken on yet when it comes to vacuum sealing these things, uh, when you vacuum seal your food, is you can actually buy in bulk. And if if you're a Sam's Club shopper or let's say your local market has a great deal on fish or steaks, you can take those, vacuum seal, vacuum seal them, remove all the air and vacuum seal them, 
and pop those in your freezer and, and they're it's a great way to you know save money while you're shopping and it's also a great way to extend the shelf life so you know take advantage of the sales and if you're a smart shopper you can save as much money as you've spent on bags or more you know throughout the course of the year sure you want to know something that's really cool if yeah. you are a camper you get the big bags and you take a couple extra matches and maybe a, a shirt or sweater. You pop them in there, you vacuum seal it, and then you've got a water watertight bag that, in case of an emergency, your boat tips over, you've got dry clothes, you've got dry matches. I know it's not food tech, but... I know, it's good. It's, it's that's Ryan's good. practical guide to living. <laughs> that's good average guy emergency tech, right? Exactly. How, do you, how, do you, uh, how do you get that? The um, could you Ryan would you if if you wanted to say um, you know you you say you bought a, a bunch of chicken on sale and you you got you made up a big batch of marinade and you throw these in individual bags and marinate you know and can you once say they marinated for five minutes can you throw that whole thing in the freezer and just let it sit and then pull that out cut it open and barbecue it or or whatever would that work or is it do you, would you advise that I wait maybe until I'm actually yeah. cooking it to marinate it Yeah I mean you can do it. Um, I would recommend that you wait until you're ready to cook it before you marinate it. Um, and, and if you use the, if you're using the pressure on it, um, I just think that one, you know, seasons change, you you can be fickle on what you want on there and you've got this beautiful chicken that you, I would just say, put it in there, seal it up nice and tight, you know, with the, with all the air removed, fights freezer burn, it fights that even worse, that freezer taste that you get. So I would, I would, on my end, probably just go ahead and vacuum seal it and, and pop it in the freezer and then marinate it when I'm good and ready to eat it. Okay. Sounds good. Well, we could talk about that the rest, but there's a few other things I want to get to. One of the, uh, as well, one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with, we, and we make a lot of homemade pizza here at the Collison House. My wife loves to make homemade pizza. And she's got different pans that do that. And there's been a whole host of pans that in, in, in the last couple of years, this isn't necessarily high-tech unless you're talking about the materials that go into actually making this. There is a there is a baking steel that is out. And I kind of went steel, really. I mean, I kind of think yeah. of steel as one of the worst surfaces to use for, for baking this kind of stuff. But talk a little bit about baking steel. So... Baking steel is actually created by Andres Logsdon. And what's amazing about this is it's, it's, he has a couple different sizes. The problem was that he was having was he was using baking stones in his oven. And I'm like him. I went through probably four baking stones in a year. They shatter, they crack, because they're usually like some, some sort of tile. Uh, and his... He actually worked. His his family's company is a steel company, and he happened to see, you know, a nice uh, eighteen inch plate of steel out in his uh, steel yard one day, and he said, you know, let me try this. So it comes in two sizes. There's a, a quarter inch and a three quarter inch. I have the quarter inch, and I have to say, ever since I, I I'm a big fan of of making pizzas at home as well. It comes seasoned to your house. Uh, and it comes in a, you can purchase a storage bag and, and they're all unique recycled material storage bag. Mine happens to be an old Jeep tarp. Uh, so it says a Jeep across the front, but, um, 
the idea behind this is it actually produces crusts that are very similar to uh, what you would find in Italian pizzerias, more along that, that charred, burnt, um, crunchy, thin crust pizzas. Works wonders with that. It does great in terms of you know, baking breads in the oven. I put that under the pan if I'm doing breads in a pan. But uh, free-form uh, bread bowls and stuff like that work really well. Kind of gives you that artisan artisan feel to your uh, pizzas and breads. And I'm showing a picture. So the the uh, the thickness of those then they are what did you say three quarter inch thick or what was the other? They one? have uh, two different sizes. Uh, one being the quarter inch, and the other is three quarter inch. Okay. And then they also. Um, there's like a big daddy one, which is way out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a little. Is it called a, the big? It, that's the big one. Yeah. And then they have another one called the Modernist Cuisine Special Edition one, and that's I think even bigger. Yeah, I think that's this one right here. I'm showing. Yeah. yeah, good, good size. But they're showing these. You see, they're 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 steel color, and you kind of think. Um, well, that's interesting, but what happens if I cook it, use it on the grill, put it in the oven? Those change colors on me. Is that okay? Do I have to scrub that off? Or uh, The patina on it will blacken, and that is quite all right. I kind of liken it to what you and I were talking about pre-show, which are cast iron pans. I, I, I would compare the two in terms of how you, you what it looks like after use. So they come seasoned with a some proprietary blend oil on it. Um, and you pop them in the oven and you heat them up a couple times before you use it. Heat them up, let it cool, heat them up, let it cool. Do that a couple times in order to kind of really bond that oil blend into the, the steel. And then all I've had to do so far, and I've had mine for almost a year now, and I honestly, I make pizzas maybe two or three times a month at home. Um... All I've had to do is let it cool and take a clean, dry rag and brush off any, you know, I use um, semolina flour under my under my pizzas so they slide nice and easily off the pizza peel. And I've just had to brush it off and, you know, maybe work a little bit harder if there's a piece of cheese or something that, that fell off and maybe got stuck to it. But it works works wonders. You know, you crank your heat up. Set your the temperature. If you've got a really good oven that goes above 500, thank goodness for you. Mine doesn't do that. <laughs> Mine, I think it goes to 450. So I put it in there. It cuts down the baking time too. Uh, probably a good three or four minutes depending on how hot you get your oven. But um, it blisters that dough and it really makes it nice and crunchy. So I go for very thin crusts. You know, I take an 8-ounce dough and a dough, uh, ball of dough and probably stretch it out to a 12 or 14-inch size pizza and really really get that micro thin pizza and just blast it blast it with heat and I could I could throw that on the grill I assume too if I wanted to you can it. throw it on the grill and it works just as well and so there's actually a new version coming out that I've seen and I haven't got quite all the details on it but one side is the baking steel and the other side is a griddle so mm. it's it's the baking steel side actually has a little bit of um, texture to it. And so what I've seen from Andres on the other side is just like you would find a natu you know, like in a in a diner, you know, that that nice 
flat steel that you know really shiny. Both of those can go on the grill. Uh, you're not going to warp them because of how thick they are. Uh, the only thing I would be concerned about is getting them wet, and or putting something very very cold onto it while it was hot. Maybe that might warp it, but I I, I find hard pressed to to think that that would be the case. So Ken in chat says set the oven to clean to the clean setting. You know? <laughs> yeah, if you've got a clean setting, that's even better. Boy, I wonder. I think, I, you know, I wonder how, how hot the clean setting actually gets. And I think it actually has to be locked for that. Uh, you know, you got to close the door and lock that before that clean setting will work. But I'll tell you what, you take a nice basic pizza dough, and if you guys want in the chat room, I'll 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 share my pizza dough recipe with Jim, and and he can append it to the notes later if you'd yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But pizza dough simple and you, nice fresh ingredients. I I have this hard fast rule in the house that we do three or less ingredients on top of the pizza so the pizza bakes well. That's really my <laughs> that's my thing. So this works really well with it. I I love using it and I've baked cinnamon rolls in pans on top of it and in the heat conduction that it has. So what's ma- what's really special about this is it doesn't lose heat like you would if you were just putting it in on the pizza on a rack in the oven. It, it And it's nice and stable as far as the heat goes. But the heat transfer is much faster into like the pizza dough if you're putting it directly on there. And so that's really what, what makes it work so well. Okay, now I want some pizza. So we got steak I'm grilling when we're done. I'm going to go make some pizza. This sounds really good. Better tell your wife she's got to get her pizza. I know. She's not even here. So, wow. And she, you know what? She, uh, in, in our younger years, she loved to cook, and I loved to grill, and we did a lot of that. Over the last couple mm-hmm. years, we've done less of that. And as I talk, every time I talk about this, and even in this conversation, I'm like, I say to myself, man, I need to get back more into slowing down because it does take, you can't, you know, I throw stuff together in five minutes for dinner, right? I mean, it. And I do too. Yeah. Depending on the night. But there's also weekends where I've, I have, will have spent upwards of 20 hours over the weekend cooking food. And that could be either for some, you know, special engagement we're doing, you know, with friends, or it could be just me preparing food for the following week, you know? So why do you think you've uh, gone away from. Life's, I think life's gotten busy. We're just not enjoying it as much. I mean, I, there's a lot. I think there's a bunch of factors. It's just we've gotten so busy with everything. It's like, you know, the food's taking last party. I think it takes some intentional effort and, and enjoyment. You you need to – and it's not something you just do. I mean, food preparation is a exercise and planning, right? Going to the store, Very getting fresh so. ingredients, having a planning around it. We have planned less. That means we make more trips to the store, which means we shop poorer. You know, from yeah. from that because you're you're you're. Yeah, I just don't think you shop as well when you're unplanned. Let Let me ask you a question. I'm going to make an assumption here, Jim. I'm going to assume that you are in love with your wife. Now's the time you say yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to assume that you are in love with. Do you know how? sexy it is. I know. Like, women think... Like, do you know how many... Uh, I want to sound like I've got a lot of... Like, do you know how many women you can woo with cooking? you know how romantic it is for, for a man to cook for his wife? Mm. Like, take the I time. Know. 
at least once a month. You know, do something, do something a little different. Skip yeah. going out to dinner. Skip going out to dinner. Stop going to Chipotle for a couple of days, and you've got enough money to uh, make a beautiful, wonderful dinner. You know, right there in your house. Yeah. Well, and I wanted to. I'll be honest. I wanted to get better uh, at doing a whole meal on the grill. Mm-hmm. And you know vegetables, and and teach myself how to do better vegetable recipes and things like that out on the grill. Just haven't really spent the time learning or understanding the right way to do it, uh, the right having the right equipment. I wanted to even I even thought about Ryan of putting a stir fry attachment onto my grill, po- propane with a, you know, with a nice seasoned pan that I could bring out, throw on there, and do some stir fry or do some Asian. You know, chicken fried rice or things like that out, out outdoors. I never got that done. You know, it was like yeah. I just—it was a modification. I just never got done. I think but you know you're right. When, when you you know think about upgrading to your next grill, I know you've had your grill since '96. <laughs> it's an old so, grill. I love it. I know, and you you've taken really good care of it, which is awesome, by the way. Because like I told you before, like my dad didn't take care of the grill. <laughs> Growing up, and like I, you know, we'd open it up, and there'd be like cobwebs inside of it, you know, and, and so we'd have to clean all that out before we could grill. But uh, next time you look at uh, upgrading your grill, maybe see see what kind of attachments may come along with it. Yeah, I'll have to do that as well. All right, let's bring it back around. And uh, one of the things I think that has has gotten real popular uh, of late, or at least a lot of talk around, but I haven't seen. Anyway, yeah, you know, Ryan, I gotta say before we start with this, this is a guy's show. I, I know I'm sure I've got one gal that listens to this <laughs> program at all. So out in the chat, Randy was like, "Hey, hey, where are we going with this? Or you know, what, what, a way to a woman's heart? You know, are we? This is this is the average guy. Uh, That's dating for the single guys out there. Advice. Yeah, yeah. Average guy married advice. Yeah, hey, cook for your wife every once in a while. It's a good idea. And uh, we gotta be versatile, right? Yeah, when we when we replace our appliances coming up, chances are there are more and more smart appliances out there. Now I have not, I haven't really come across any yet. Have what have you seen come across your radar as far as embedded, you know, embedded smartness? Let's just call it that inside refrigerators or grills or those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, there's one that's in concept right now, and actually I didn't put this in the show notes, but the the uh, the one that I saw that was really really cool, and they just they did it at a, a consumer showcase show just this year. General Electric is doing the smart range top, and so it's kind of, it looks kind of like the the flat cooktop surfaces that you're seeing uh, in homes now, where they don't have the coils or fire. It's that flat surface, but part of it is dedicated to actually you know multimedia use. So you can pull up you know recipes, you can pull up. You can have your Facebook feed going through. That hasn't come to to market yet, so hopefully we'll we'll see more about that. But um, you, a lot of things are, are have been really taken over, you know, because of the advancement in mobile technology. So we're seeing things like refrigerators with Wi-Fi in them. So it, you can actually, and there was one by Samsung, I think, is what we what, what I found. Um, it actually has a display built into the door, and so you can take notes right there. You can answer email directly from your door. You can put a shopping list together, and it'll send it to your phone. So when you're out shopping, you've got your shopping list right there. And, and I, th- you know, I think that's practical. I'm not sure checking your email from your fridge is that 
Is that practical? Well, I don't think it's practical checking your email from the stovetop either, but you know, this is the this well, is kind of but, like how they're trying to incorporate yeah. into into the kitchen. I think you know? some inventory control would be helpful, right? That's what a fridge has got stuff in it, kind of knowing what you have in it would yeah. be nice. It would be nice if it had a picture of what was inside, like a live feed of what was actually inside so I didn't have to open the fridge. That's a great <laughs> idea. But um, I think there's some great practical applications to, to all of that. I know like um, there's a lot of like toasters and, and coffee makers that are creeping in where when you wake up in the morning and you've got your phone sitting next to the bed, you can you know, tell it to start toasting. You can tell your coffee maker to start making coffee and stuff like that. This one's for you actually really good is uh, from iDevice. It's called the iGrill. And it's relatively inexpensive. It's $80. So if you're entertaining or you've got your grill just outside your kitchen area and you need to you know, run back inside to, to finish up a few things, this connects to your phone. It's, a, it's an outdoor thermometer uh, designed to use in your grill. So you stick the probe inside you know, maybe a larger piece of meat. Like say you're doing like a big, nice pork loin or... Um, I do turkey on my grill, so that would be or, a yeah. Thing to do. Yeah, big trick. Yeah, that'd be, that's a great application. So you stick it into the you know the the thickest part of the breast, and you set the temperature that you want it to to reach, and it connects to your phone via Bluetooth. And when the internal temperature of the meat reaches, let's say you wanted to do 155 degrees, if it reaches 155 degrees, it it gives you a a, a notification on your phone. It vibrates. It makes noise. All that fun stuff. And that Bluetooth is is can connect up to 200 feet so you can actually you know you can move about quite a bit uh, without having to stand directly there over the grill I assume that's a wire that goes out to someplace safe for the transmitter correct is, so yeah. there's a little there's a little box and it's got you know like a nice little LED uh, display and then it has a, a high temperature uh, wire that goes into the the thermostat probe or uh, the thermometer probe, <laughs> and that that's all high temperature safe. So I, I, I they reach upwards of a five or six hundred degrees that they can handle. Um, but it's a really great way. They used to have one that actually just worked, and and you can actually still use the eye grill uh, thermometer for your oven, and that's where it started. And then they kind of took it to some outdoor uh, applications as well. Let me show you where I think that would uh, fit right in. So I've got, uh, from my blog there, I've got some, let me see if that's showing up on the screen. Yeah, there we go. So oh, be perfect. Yeah, so uh, we cook two at a time. Typically on Thanksgiving, we're going somewhere else, and so I've got those wrapped up. I make this envelope, this tinfoil envelope, and then put them on the grill for a couple hours. Generally, I can get a turkey, pretty good-sized turkey, maybe 12 to 15 pounds, cooked in about three hours. That way, two and a half, sometimes they cook pretty fast, faster than I thought they would. Mm -hmm. um, we actually layer bacon. Uh, you, it's hard to see here, but we kind of layer bacon over the top, and that really keeps the, the, the turkey moist. It's not healthy by any means. Let's just say this isn't necessarily healthy cooking by Jim, but sure. it, it is a delicious turkey. My kids would never eat uh, turkey before. And uh, and now that they are now that they've got this, uh, or I've been cooking it this way, you can see here I'll kick back over and this is what uh, this is what it looks like when we're done. But that's um, also found uh, Heinz 57 is a nice uh, flavor for turkey as well. If you if you haven't tried that, a Heinz 57 sauce, which some people like and some people don't like, they see that as a very cheap 
kind of a very cheap sauce, but I, it, it works great on turkey. I haven't seen that in years, and I've actually kind of forgotten about it. So, you know, I, I used to love the flavor of Heinz 57. Yeah, no, I, I I love it. It's kind of my secret recipe for uh, for turkey. You know, that's people yeah. have been like, what what do you do with this? And I'm like, it's uh, it's turkey Italian salad dressing and Heinz 57 plus some other, you know, some other magic things that go in there to keep my my recipe proprietary. Yeah. So just do you you take that and you put it on just before you you get it to the grill? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's a nice. So idea. well, I prep it all in the morning. You know, and then layer the turkey, and then close that thing up, and just throw it on the grill for a couple hours, and and let it go. And then I use a meat thermometer. I just go out and check it a couple times, and get it up to the 170 or whatever that's supposed. To. I always have to read the, <laughs> what is this yeah. supposed to be at? And typically, it gets even a little bit warmer. And the longer I leave it on there, um, I've had even good luck where that turkey pulls away, the breast meat pulls away from the bone, mm-hmm. and and soup, and it stays because we have the bacon in there, it stays super moist. I was just going to ask like if it was the moist or not. From oh, it's incredibly moist. Yeah, no, I That's my crazy. kids don't eat any crap. I mean, they're like, if it's not good, I'm not eating it, Dad. And they that is the every year they look forward to Thanksgiving because they're like, Dad's turkey. But that would be a nice addition to it to put that probe in there, and then I could just kind of check it from my phone. Is it iPhone only, or can I get an Android? They have iPhone and Android apps, I believe, both. Yeah. So we'll get yeah, you just. Dist- brining your turkey a day or two ahead of time. Yeah, you know, I've never done that. Um, a brine is just a salt, a saline solution, or is, is that right? It's based form, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's very very simple. But, um, dro- if drop a, do I need to unfreeze the turkey before I put it in the solution, or can I put it in there frozen and let it sit there and thaw out and brine in the in the same solution? I've never done it frozen. Um, I, I don't see why not. Um it would probably help. It'd be helpful uh, keeping the temperature down. What I was going to suggest was you get your big cooler there, and uh, you know one of those big plastic coolers. Mm-hmm. Put your turkeys in there. Put the ice over the top of them. Put your brine over the top of that, and then just keep adding ice as you needed to go along, depending on how long you wanted to brine it. But I usually do 24 hours to 48 hours ahead of time. Okay. I'll have to try that. I've I've heard of guys that do that, and I and I just haven't. That's just a step I haven't done. I take it right out of the package that morning. You know, we thaw it out for a couple of days, and then yeah. right out of the package, right into these envelopes. You know, and there's no. I get the extra wide um, saran wrap, or not saran wrap. Sorry, uh, tin foil. foil. Yeah. And um, speaking of t- foil, foil versus plastic. Somebody had asked earlier, are there any Issues with cooking with plastic and from a toxin or from a if you're if you're cooking this this meat you know earlier we were talking about cooking meat in plastic. Yeah. Sure. Any, any issues? Depends with on that? how you depends on who you ask. Uh, you know, I used to work for a place that would uh, shun you for looking at the plastic wrap. So, um, I honestly believe right now I don't think the science is all that concrete yet. But you also have to look at it too. If if you're doing this every day for every meal, you might have some issue there. You know, I but I can't give you a I can't give you a solid answer on that in terms of yes or no. I just don't know enough about it. Okay, good good enough. I think you look into it. Yeah, be, if you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. That's kind yeah, of I think what, whatever I sleep really helps you sleep. Kind of one of those personal choice things. You know, I I you know I don't you know people had a big 
problem have a big problem with plastic bottles and bottled water and stuff like that. And I think a lot of these are have a lot of the chemicals that they had once identified as as an as an issue removed. So I, you kind of got to take it for what it's worth and make your own personal choice on that. Yeah. No, I think that's good advice. There's also a conversation going in chat about gas. Of course, I, they asked me if I use propane or natural gas, and I'm a propane tank guy. You can get a line run out of your house uh, into a grill for natural gas. Do you have any preference, Ryan? I, I love hardwood and charcoal. Okay. Um, if I'm using a gas grill, I've only used propane gas grills growing up, you know, if it wasn't charcoal. I like hardwood charcoal. It burns hotter. It burns longer than, you know, the briquettes. I just like the flavor that you get. Yeah, it it you is get good. Yeah, you know, is we good. got ourselves a, a nice little charcoal chimney starter so we don't have to do any of the, uh, you know, adding any of the the lighter fluid to it. And so it works really well. I love well, it. I like the taste of lighter fluid. What's wrong with that? You had me it's thinking free. of Hank Hill when you were talking about propane. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> is also, that what you were propane snickering? and propane accessories. <laughs> that was my poor Hank Hill. Oh, that's good. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. No, I love my, I love my propane. I I, I was telling you, I was telling you earlier. I really use an indirect flame for my mm-hmm. grill. I I put a whole bunch of briquettes, uh, you know, uh, lava rock, whatever that stuff's made out of. I'm not even sure what it's made out of. But uh, I basically cover the whole bottom so there are no flames. And it takes a little bit longer because you got to heat the rocks up before you cook the food. But I don't. I like the, I, I like the no-flame cooking. It's just kind of what I choose to do. And that yeah. works out real well for me. So, hey, let's do a little bit of a lightning round. You've got some apps in here that, uh, that you think good. might be helpful for the, these. And these are available on the iTunes if you're an iPhone. I'm sure there's some equivalent on Android. But uh, blow through these real quick. I, I want to apologize, first of all, to those who don't use an iOS device. That's what I know, so that's what I researched. I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, a really great one, just in terms of learning how to cook and kind of free yourself from uh, recipes, is an app called Ratio. And that's by a guy who's an author. His name is Michael Ruhlman, and he's actually made his career uh, writing about uh, famous chefs and writing about his experiences at culinary school. And he developed this app. Uh, after his first book, Ratio, or after his book, Ratio, was released. And this is a really great thing because it actually allows you to kind of go through and learn how to, how to make bread dough, uh, batters, sauces, uh, all from, you know, plugging in some numbers and knowing what your ingredients are. And I think that's a, it's a wonderful thing. And I, I'm of the idea of I really try my hardest to get away from teaching people how to cook through recipes and more about technique. And so this is, this is one of those. Uh, for you, you were talking about trying to create that whole uh, meal on the grill. There's one called Weber's on the grill app, and that has 300 recipes in it. You can share photos of your grilling creations on some social media sites and uh, you can also bookmark and save your favorite recipes from there or add your own into the app. Uh, so if you've got one that's not actually in the app right now but you want a particular spot to save it, you can do that as well. And then there's uh, one called Chef Steps, and that's by Chef Steps, Inc. They're actually they're those kind of uh, cooks and chefs who are into the molecular gastronomy, but they're very, very technique-driven as well. So you'll see them talking about certain chemical compounds to add to liquid to, 
you know, turn it into little, you know, jelly spheres and stuff like that. But if you look at their app and their website, they actually have some some wonderful technique videos on how to perform some very basic cooking, uh, what they consider the right way, which is, you know, they've kind of researched it really, really well. So those are those are some really great apps to, to look into. Awesome, and we'll include all the links to those apps in the show notes, so if you want to head over there. Ryan has done a bang-up job. I can tell he's a really good podcaster because he makes really good show notes in here, so he knows exactly what I need. Ever. <laughs> no, these are awesome, Ryan. I, I'm looking at this, I'm like, wow, thank you I for saying uh, I don't do them for my own. I, yeah. I did them for you. I, yeah. No, this was awesome. This it was really helpful to, to work through the show with those. So I just I appreciate those. We'll pretty yeah. much get copy and pasted and just kind of get to right out there into the show notes. It'll be the average guy.tv slash HGG. 168. And so if you want to head out there, but if you're listening to this in the recorded version, I probably have it. Not probably. I do have it out there by now. So you can head out and get access to all that. Um, Ryan, I'm going to ask you to hang around for some post-show chat. I want to talk a little bit about, you've, you've got some, um, some other items in here in the show notes that I'll tease people with that we'll talk about in the post-show. And I'll remind folks, you want to come out and listen live? Because I don't always put the post-show in with the live show. Because sometimes we just get too long with that. And so to give you a little incentive to come out on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, you want to come out because you want to hear those things. And uh, uh, Ryan, I assume it's okay if you hang around for a few extra minutes. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, it's almost bedtime, but you know. Yeah, we'll hold you out. Uh, you, wow, you're on the West Coast, man. It's oh, not man. even. You're not even. You haven't gone to work yet. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, so we will put that. Uh, we'll stay around for the post show. So if you're listening live, hang tight. We will uh, at the end of uh, the some music's going to play, and I'm actually I I said there was a call. Somebody had called in. And I'm going to play that call in its entirety in the recorded version of this. So if you're listening to the recorded version, hang tight. Uh, I hate to do that live sometimes because it kind of just slows down the, the feel of the live show. But we'll put that in. So if you're listening to the recorded version, hang tight. I'm going to put that at the very end and uh, an, an opportunity for someone to respond to last week's show. So hang tight in that. Ryan, I want to say thanks for coming out and, uh, and being a part of the show tonight. If I ask you again, would you come back? I would come back, actually, Jim. Thank you so much for having me here. I, I really have had a blast, you know, researching the show and, and telling you my, my thoughts on it and giving you what I, some of the equipment that I use at home. And I, I want to thank everybody out and you guys out in the chat room for all the great questions. And if you guys have any more questions, just shoot them to Jim and I'll, uh, I'll follow up in the comments section if you guys have questions there. Uh, I'll go check it out and try and answer them over the, the next couple of weeks. And you're on Twitter too, right? I am on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Food Craftsman or at the Ryan K. Parker. The Ryan K. Parker. Well, somebody had Ryan K. Parker. Who has Ryan K. Parker? So I had, I had, it's <laughs> you had to go with the, the Ryan. Yeah, you had to. I should have capitalized and it all. You can catch both of us out at uh, Ask the Podcast Coach on Saturday mornings. Ryan's out uh, in the audience, uh, kind of corralling that group. You've kind of become a ringleader there in that group. I give you the. the uh, ATR twenty one hundred stock price of the day, and actually I'm going to be on the uh, the show this this Saturday. If you're listening to us live right now, I'll be on the show this Saturday talking about a theme that I just purchased. Oh, good! And kind of giving the back end story. We're going to bring you in live. Is that what we're going to do? Yeah. Cool. I so rock on. So we get to spend some more time 
together doing that. So we'll we'll have you back. Oh, we'll we'll try and make this some kind of regular occurrence of some kind, maybe once a quarter or something like that. Come on and talk about food. I do need to get you back. The guys were asking about food, uh, you know, some of the things around the right diet. So maybe we'll have you back a little sooner to talk about that. And uh, and because it's it's right. important what you eat, right? I mean, what Very you eat. Important is, what you eat. Yeah. Our demographic, Most, Ryan, is all of us, right? It's just we're yeah. middle-aged guys, and we're just struggling with the midsection. <laughs> I hit 40 this year, and I swear that I can't look at anything anymore without it putting on weight. More importantly about what you eat, it's the fact that you're making it. I, I want everybody to be able to go cook. Everybody watches the Food Network. More people know about food. Less people are actually cooking, so let's get out there and cook too. I'd love to come back for that. Okay. Anytime. Yeah, we'll book you. We'll get uh, look at your schedule uh, over the next uh, couple months and figure out what works well for you, and we'll have you back in. I don't want to abuse my right to have access to you, but let's figure a good time that works for you, and uh, sure. we'll love to have you back on the program and uh, and talk about that. I will remind everyone listening, both live and on the recorded show, I want to say thanks for supporting the link, the the uh, Tech Scholarship Fund link, and so. You guys have been another stellar month for uh, the Average Guy TV on Amazon. When you use the Average Guy TV slash Amazon link, of course, we turn those dollars into uh, into pro uh, products. And actually, uh, one of those products that we purchased a while back is going to be reviewed and uh, and on the podcast here in the next couple of weeks. And so you want to watch for that. We we actually we bought a little DVR, you know, to digital. Uh, um, uh, I forget the you know it, it takes your DV it takes your VCR tapes right and you plug it in you play it you run that right into your computer and then you can record those uh, back so if you want to get stuff that's on VCR off I mean we're all listen we're all old enough for the most part <laughs> if you're under 30 first of all send me an email Jim at the average guy TV I want to know why you're listening or a woman because uh, most of us are in our 40s uh, or so and uh, in our 50s and at least I think that's what our demographic is but and we've all got VCR tape of some kind, maybe that's got old family movies on it, uh, or something we wanted to get up. Maybe The Lion King, and uh, you want to get those. We we had somebody buy that kit on Amazon. It's about fifty bucks uh, to do that, and that's one of those items we were going to ship around the community. Maybe you've got you don't you only need that one time. Once you get everything off, you don't need it anymore. And so uh, so uh, one of the guys reviewed it. We'll talk about that here in the next couple weeks, and then we'll probably ship that around the community to anybody that wants to, to use that and get it done. That's one of the things we do, Ryan, here at TheAverageGuy.tv. Oh, he's, Ryan's pointing at himself. The, uh, it looks like he might have to be the next guy to, uh, to borrow our, our cable. And we, we're creating kind of a tech lending library is what we've said. Because, uh, you know, there's some equipment you just only need once, you know. And so uh, we're going to gather some things here and uh, use the we use those uh, commission dollars that we make off Amazon and turn those back into reviews and stuff that we can use. So thanks for doing that. We uh, remember hang around for a second because we're going to play that uh, that message that I got this week. And of course those are important to me. Uh, when you guys call in for anything, I love that because I get to interact with you. I, you know, we get a, about a thousand downloads a week, and I only interact with a handful of you. So it's one way for me to hear from you. Four zero two four seven eight. 8450. You can catch us on Saturday mornings and catch me Saturday mornings with Dave Jackson out at Ask the Podcast Coach. 8.30, no, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern, out at AskThePodcastCoach.com. And, of course, on the Home Server Show on Tuesday nights with Dave McCabe over on the Geeks Network. Love to have you over there as well. For that, stay around for the post show. Remember, you don't get the post show unless you come around for the live show. Brian, thanks for hanging around. Good night, everybody.
Hey, Jim. Uh, just finished listening to the Fit Tech episode that you had with uh, Andrew and Mike. Um, just wanted to make a comment for Mike. Uh, he was saying that he was uh, concerned about <laughs> about having a, you know, using one scale with, you know, uh, that that's uploads to one system, using a watch that goes and uploads to a different system, and then maybe tracking his food on, you know, on a separate system, you know, and having all these different sources next thing you know, you know, and his kids are doing something else, and all of a sudden he's logging into seven different systems, you know, to go and grab his data, but they're not all in one consolidated place. I, I figured I'd just, you know, give him an option for consolidating all that, and that being, um, you should look into stuff like, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I don't know what they call it specifically, but like Microsoft has their uh, Health Vault. Um, uh, what do you call it? And that's something that I know Fitbit is compatible with. Uh, you know, some of the companies are supporting these um, medical cyber file lockers. I guess it would be kind of what they are. You know, and their their, their goal is you know to to be able to put like a medical information in there. But you know. I don't know. You know, for me, I'm not exactly keen on putting my medical information out on on someone else's servers, and then you know, maybe losing my, losing that because you know, my password got hacked or whatnot. But you know, for consolidating my running uh, info uh, and uh, what do you call and consolidating my uh, my my gym workout results with uh, what do you call it, with the stuff that Fitbit you know that uh, tracks from all day usage and whatnot, and in the Adidas system, you know, all that. Uh, what it call you know if it's compatible with 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 one of those systems like Microsoft Health Vault, it all pulls it together in that one spot, and then boom, you know you you go to that one spot and you can see all your data you know together nicely instead of logging into seven fourteen different sites and you know and then writing down you know oh I did this here and then you know going to another site or keeping the tab open going to another site and looking at the other stuff and trying to piece it all together. So just you know thought I'd uh, give him give him an option. Um, there's a name for that kind of stuff, but honestly, I can't remember it. Um, but you know, Microsoft has their thing, and other there are other companies, and it's actually part of uh, the gov- uh, like a government initiative for uh, what it called for digitizing their uh, what it called people's health data. Um, so just poke around if uh, what it called if the Microsoft one isn't interested to him, but he is interested in that kind of stuff. If he pokes around, there is a government site that, uh, what do you call, um, a U.S. government site that does have a list of all these, uh, what do you call, like, medical cyber lockers out there. Um, <clears throat> so just uh, thought I'd, you know, give you an option, you know, just with a comment. I did enjoy the show, and uh, look forward to more uh, health tech. <laughs> have a good one.